Whether you are looking for a space to host an intimate gathering or a major celebration, the Westmoreland Museum of American Art offers an artful venue for creating a truly amazing and unforgettable event experience. Don't miss the Bridal and Event Showcase at the museum this Sunday, May 21st from 6 to 9 p.m. Meet a variety of vendors, including florists, caterers, bakeries, jewelers, entertainers, and more. To register for this free event, visit thewestmoreland.org. History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to History Goes Bump Redux. I am your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. Kelly, on this episode, we're not doing the Stanley Hotel, but the Shanley Hotel. Oh, very nice. This one's in New York, and this was one of the very first locations that History Goes Bump ever covered. Kelly, this hotel, when you pull up to it, it looks abandoned and it's pretty rough. There's broken windows. It could probably use some paint. At least that's what I've heard about it currently. Well, it's absolutely got to be haunted then. It does have a (laughs) lot of spirits in it, according to most of the people who have hung out there. So we're going to be sharing that with everybody here. Are you ready to go back? I'm ready. The Shanley Hotel is one of New York's most haunted hotels and is located in Napanock, nestled among the beautiful woods of the Shawangunk Mountains in the historic and mysterious Hudson Valley. The hotel was built in the mid-1800s and still retains its historical charm. This charm is only broken by the countless reports of unexplained happenings going on at this hotel. People claim that there are as many as 14 spirits here. Join us as we explore the history and hauntings of the Shanley Hotel. Kelly, as you said, the Shanley Hotel is located in the town of Napanock in New York, and this is located in the Shawangunk Mountains. The human history of the Shawangunk Mountains region goes back about 11,000 years when the first indigenous people traveled here for hunting and the fertile ground. They traveled back and forth over the ridge between the two rivers that gave the Wallkill and Rondout Valleys their names. The first Europeans would come in 1650. The area that became Napanock was purchased by Louis Bevière for two of his sons, Jean Bevière and Abram Bevière, in 1705 or 1706. And that name, Napanock, comes from the Muncie dialect of the northern Lenape and means land overflowed by water. By the mid-1800s, Napanock had become a tourist destination for people wanting to get out of the city. 
there was a need for more lodgings in the town. A man named Thomas Rich built the Rich Inn in 1845 on Main Street. His goal was to provide accommodations that had the best food and lodging, and he filled the place with the best amenities and furnishings for the time. Rich had a little something else here at the hotel, the Gentleman's Club, which was not just a place for brandy, cigars, and conversation, but this was also a bordello. He changed the name of the hotel to Mansion House. Rich decided to sell the hotel in 1851, and the name was changed to Hungerford's Hotel. F.G. Hungerford continued to cater to the rich clientele and kept the Gentlemen's Club open. The next owner was John Tonkin, and he later sold to A.J. Wood, who named the hotel Topakoki Hotel. In 1887, Adolf Wagner bought the place and the hotel flourished under his guidance. But in 1895, the hotel burned completely to the ground after a nearby house fire spread. Not one to be discouraged, Wagner rebuilt the hotel in eight short months and renamed it the Colonial Hotel, but quickly sold it again and the hotel exchanged hands repeatedly until 1906. This would be when the hotel would acquire its present name. James Lewis Shanley was born in Ireland on Halloween in the year 1874. What a great time to be born. I know. Great day. I'm so jealous. <laughs> he immigrated to America with his brothers, and they bought property across the country to open restaurants and hotels. They were apparently very well known in New York City and had a whole bunch of stuff that they owned there. There are people who claim that Times Square was even going to be named Shanley Square after them. They were so well known. Wow, that's the first I've heard of that. Yeah, same here. So I'm not sure that it's actually true. And apparently the Gangs of New York movie was based on them as well. But I don't think that that movie was very historically accurate anyway. So Shanley was having health problems and he settled in the Hudson Valley and took up residence at the hotel. He loved the hotel and decided that he would like to buy it, but he wanted to make some changes. Shanley added an extension to the rear of the building and added a bowling alley, billiards room and a barber shop. The hotel became known for social gatherings that included card and domino tournaments, and the townspeople loved James for the changes. He would later add a secret room during Prohibition. I bet they really loved him for that, too. I'm sure. To use as a speakeasy, and it's believed he ran a bordello, too. Just keeping the gentleman's club going. (laughs) Even better for the guys. The secret room was in the basement, and this was used by James and his business partner, John Powers, to make, store, and sell bootleg liquor. But when you look in the historical record, he was bootlegging long before this. He got in trouble and got some kind of a tax fine or something for liquor sales that he was selling on days that he wasn't supposed to or selling illegal liquor. And this was way before Prohibition. I think it was in 1911. This was something he was already doing. Prohibition just gave him a little extra boost, I think. He was industrious. He was. And (laughs) I mean, he clearly made his money somewhere. So bootlegging was probably part of it. The room was accessible through a trap door in a hall closet. Authorities raided the hotel in 1932 to put an end to the operation. He was arrested. I don't think he really served any jail time. And I heard they were friends with Eleanor Roosevelt, that she might have pulled some strings to help get him out of jail or not in so much trouble. In 1910, James married Beatrice Rowley. And when the couple returned from their honeymoon, the town threw them a skimmerton party. Kelly, why don't you tell everybody what a skimmerton party entails? <laughs> I certainly will, because I had no idea. <laughs> this kind of party incorporates noisemakers like cowbells and clanging pots. 
Sounds like New Year's to me. Yes, you can imagine they come into <laughs> town and, hey, we're having a parade. It's just me and my wife and everybody's standing on the streets banging pots and stuff. <laughs> it's like, okay. Hey, why not? James and Beatrice decided to start a family, but tragedy struck three times for them as all three children Beatrice gave birth to died within their first year of life. These children were Kathleen, James Jr., and William. The couple were heartbroken, but when Beatrice's sister, Esther Fahman, died during the 1918 Spanish flu epidemic, the Shanleys were given custody of her two daughters. I can't imagine losing all three of my children within a year after their births. And I'm not sure what they all died from, if it was similar things or different, but I just, wow. The rich and famous visited the Shanley during the Shanley's ownership, and these guests included, as I mentioned earlier, they were friends with Eleanor Roosevelt and Thomas Edison. Beatrice was known for her fashion sense, decadent jewelry, and fragrant perfumes. She seemed out of place in a small town, but the people loved her and enjoyed the high teas and card parties she hosted. You imagine this little knockabout town in New York up in the mountains, and she's like, we're going to have some high teas. (laughs) And then they're like, look at her diamonds and pearls. And she would wear stuff like that all day long. So it was like she was coming from New York society and bringing it to them. So I think they kind of liked that whole thing because she wasn't snooty about it. They were. I was going to say, nice it sounds people. like she was pretty down to earth. Yeah. So good for her. Then tragedy struck again when James died on August 26, 1937 from a heart attack. Beatrice held on to the hotel until 1944 and then she sold it to Al Hazen so she could move to New York City where she died in 1961. So she survived him by quite a bit. Hazen ran the hotel successfully until his death in 1971, and then a string of ownership left the hotel closed by 1991, and it stood vacant for a number of years, leaving it pretty much in ruins. In 2005, Salvatore Nicosia bought the building, refurbished it, and the Shanley opened once again in 2007. Sal originally moved to Napanok so that he could restore a different historic building that was the homestead of Abraham Bevier a project that took six years. The Shanley came up for sale at that time, and Sal decided he would like the new challenge. The hotel blossomed under Sal and became a mecca for paranormal investigation. No one seemed to know, or at least it was never recorded before, that the Shanley was haunted before Sal bought the place. Sal and historian Doug Hart were celebrating the closing on the second floor of the hotel one night when they heard footsteps coming up the main stairway. They were a bit worried that police or a neighbor were investigating why there was candlelight coming from the building. Upon investigation, they discovered no one on the stairs, and Sal checked the door and it was still locked. Like most people, they didn't want to believe the place was haunted. So they started taking pictures and bought a video camera. Through the pictures and AVPs they captured, the men realized that there were many spirits in the place. Some were from the Victorian era, others were from the 60s, and some were downright spooky. And today, perhaps Sal is among those spirits. He passed away in 2016. Unfortunately, after Sal passed, the hotel went downhill fast and was condemned and closed. A new management company came in and reopened it in 2017 and they offer 10 rooms for rent, private events, and public investigations. A continental breakfast is offered in the mornings, making this a bed and breakfast. Kelly, before we get into talking about the hauntings that are going on here, I wanted you to look at a picture of this on the side. 
When you look at the side of this hotel, what do you immediately think of? Um, the Amityville house? <laughs> to me, it has the exact same look to it on the side. I mean, obviously, it doesn't have the windows that we all know from the old Amityville house. Of course, the current owners have changed out those windows. The profile or the side of this hotel has the same kind of shape with the roof and everything. Yeah, it does. But you can also see that it needs a lot of love. It sure does. Absolutely. The women that are running it now, there's an owner and some other woman who I think helps manage it. They worked here for years, I think, leading some of the tours. So I think that they had wanted to make sure that this continued to be able to operate. But I'm thinking they don't have the money to put into a lot of the restoration that needs to be done. So clearly they have some personal love for the location. Many people have been through the doors of the Shanley, and thus many different presences have made themselves known by opening and shutting doors, poking or pushing people, talking on tape, and appearing as weird light anomalies and pictures, which can all be viewed at the Shanley Hotel's official website. They've got lots of evidence up there. Music from a bygone era can be heard in the rooms as well as disembodied footsteps. Entering the Bordello area leaves people feeling lightheaded with overwhelming feelings of sadness. Some guests have complained of being held down in their beds. One of the spirits here is a little girl. She's believed to be the three-year-old daughter of the barber at the hotel, Peter Gregor. Her name was Rosie, and she wandered across the road to the Hornbeak Farm, where she lifted a wooden slab to peer into the covered well. She lost her balance and fell in, hitting her head on the way down. It took two hours to find her, and Peter was so heartbroken that he had to move away. He took the family back to Brooklyn, but Rosie still seems to be here. Many people have seen the apparition of the little girl and have heard her speaking to them from the shadows of the hallways. She's been caught on tape laughing, and she likes the second floor where the bordello area had been because her bedroom had been here. I'm going to assume that the bordello was not running while her bedroom was in that vicinity. I would hope not. <laughs> I really, I, I get kind of torn about the whole bordello thing because there's not a lot of information that you can find about it. The website is the only place that claims this and that it pretty much ran through all of these different ownerships. But on the flip side, the Shanleys are this, I mean, I know he was a bootlegger, but they came from New York City, successful businessman. His wife likes to do high teas and wears the jewelry and has the perfume and the fancy clothes. Do you think she'd really put up with them having a bunch of women of the evening working really, there? It doesn't really seem like that would make much sense. No. I don't know. And of course, finding anything to back up this story about Rosie is hard to find, too. You would think it would show up in a newspaper if a little girl falls into a well. It took them a couple hours to find her. I don't know. But... Apparently, we do have this child here, and that's the way they explain it. Obviously, this is one of those wells that isn't like the big wishing wells that we're thinking of, where you, you know, peer over it, and it would take a lot for a three-year-old to fall in. This is something that's closer to the ground. It now has a concrete slab over it so that nobody can fall into it. But at the time, if it just had a little wooden piece on there, I could see her going over there and pushing it up. A three-year-old, as long as it's not a huge wooden piece. There's another child spirit in the house that's a boy that hangs out in the attic. Investigators have dubbed him Jonathan, but some people think this boy could be the son of Dr. Walter Nelson Thayer Jr. He was five years old in 1915 when he was injured in an accident. His father was backing his car out of the alley that ran between his home and the hotel. 
and his son Walter jumped onto the running board but fell off and the car backed over him. He suffered severe head injuries but didn't die until the 1980s. So he lived a long life. Wow. I don't know what all the head injuries did to him. We're not sure why this spirit claims to be a Jonathan if it's Walter Jr. and why Walter would come back here anyway. I don't know why people claim that this boy Jonathan was the son of this doctor who didn't die in the accident to begin with. I mean, if he lived to that ripe old age, I <laughs> I really don't understand that claim. No, I just don't understand why he would even come back. So I think whoever this Jonathan is must be from somewhere else. And again, we've gone through a number of owners with this house. Who knows how many people could have died in here? Or I've also heard that he might have been in a different accident outside of the hotel. And now a little break for a word about one of our sponsors. Another child spirit may belong to Helen. She was a local preacher's daughter who was nine years old when she was lured with the promise of a lollipop to a nearby swamp and murdered by Alfred Volkman. He was the son of a butcher. Volkman was caught and sentenced to death, and he spent his time waiting for execution at Sing Sing Prison. Both spirits are reportedly here at the Shanley, perhaps because the murder scene was close by, because I can't think of any other reason why she didn't get murdered here, and why they would both come back to here. I could see she was a victim in a nearby place. Maybe she's been attracted over here. Especially if you think that this place has been investigated for years now, you might be attracting nearby spirits to come in because there's light there or you're calling to them or there's other spirits to hang out with. I don't know. Right. But why he would be there, except for that he was paying the price. But as we've discussed before, I hate to hear of any victim having their perpetrator there with them. When Helen asked for a pink dress, current owner Kelly Hammerling bought her one that currently hangs in the room in which Beatrice's sister Esther died. The third floor has a ghost cat that has been named Sweet Thing. Sal owned a cat that refused to come into his room, so he would feed it out in the hallway. The cat would roam the rest of the building and eventually started staying on the third floor in Claire's room. They caught an EVP of Claire saying that it was her cat. A ghost cat has been caught on video going into room 13, and it totally looks like the back end of a cat wandering across the hallway. Could this be Sal's cat now in the afterlife? So, Kelly, here's the video. What do you think? Uh, totally looks like a cat's butt and tail, and it's just trotting across the hallway into the room. That's amazing. Yeah, there is no doubt this is a cat in the video. Absolutely. And the reason why you might think it is a ghost cat is because you can't see the front end of it. No, not at all. You literally can just see the back end, like the two back legs and the tail. Exactly. I <laughs> I mean, it is some really good evidence. I'll uh, see if I can put a link up when I put the notes for this redux for you guys to have a look at it. It's very cool. We mentioned earlier that Beatrice Shanley's sister Esther had died. She had lived at the hotel and died there as well. Her spirit is said to hang out on the second floor where her room had been, along with the sunroom that is adjacent to that room. She'd been a very lonely and depressed woman when she'd been alive, and her spirit seems to project these same feelings. Another spirit is thought to be James Shanley's business partner, John Powers. He haunts the second floor. I have no idea why he's here. I don't know if he died at the hotel. Maybe he's trying to protect their bootlegging business. (laughs) Could be. Another spirit here is named Frank, and he claims to have been shot in the pub at the hotel. A guest asked Frank how he died, and through a spirit box, he replied, a gunshot in the pub. 
That's pretty amazing. Frank was apparently a bodyguard at the bordello. Hammerling claims that Frank tried to strangle her twice. And then when she told guests about the incidents, so she's busy telling people who have come for an investigation. Here are some of the experiences we've had. For me personally, I've been strangled twice by something I can't see. I think it's Frank. Frank remarked in an EVP because they were recording it. You liked it. Oh, my word. So I'm like, "Mm, Frank's not a very good guy. There's also a ghost named Joe and a man who whistles that show up occasionally. The hotel has been investigated by many paranormal teams, including TV's Ghost Hunters and Ghost Lab, and was featured on My Ghost Story. And Kelly, to give us some street cred? (laughs) Yeah. We watched a video (laughs) with Sam and Colby. Yes, indeed, we did. Apparently, they're the new thing when it comes to paranormal investigators. They have over 8 million followers on YouTube. And let me just... Our nephew's one of them. Yes. (laughs) And I think he thought it was kind of cool when he asked me, hey, have you heard of Sam and Colby? And I'm like, yes, I have. Let me say, they investigate better than what you see on Ghost Adventures. They're a different generation. So, you know... They at least they go to the history and they do try to share an accurate history about stuff. But when they are investigating, sometimes some of the respectfulness I question a little bit. And there's a lot of, whoa, wow, oh, you know, I mean, I know we're doing yeah, something for but, entertainment, but. Yeah. And and we're we're of, of a different generation. So I, I guess <laughs> I do have to consider, you know. The music's too loud, Diane. The music's too loud. <laughs> well, me hearing an EVP at 50, I'm like, ooh, that was cool. Whereas, you know, for a couple of <laughs> really young people, that's what you're going to get. <laughs> It's like, I know it's exciting, but uh, okay. So anyway, we watched this video with them. And here's some of the, uh, this was back in August of 2021. Here's some of the evidence that they got. During an EVP session, they asked if any of the spirits were part of the Irish mob. And then they asked if there were any bodies on the property. An EVP answer said, yes, there is. They asked if they were upset that they showed the secret room. And the answer was yes. They asked who was killed in the secret room, and the answer was Henry. Next question was, did you hide things other than bootleg liquor down there? And the answer was yes. There was a shovel down there, so they used it as a trigger object, and they got some pings on the EMF meters and stuff. Now, Kelly, I will point out that the handheld audio recorder that they were using was a Panasonic RRDR60. There are very few of these in the world. They were made by the Japanese for like a year. They're very expensive if you can get your hands on one of them. And for some reason, they are the best at giving you EVP, which I've heard makes them a questionable device because why do they work so much more effectively than other audio recorders? This is the one where Astonishing Legends, they left a recorder inside a room at the Sally House and they got this scream on it. And I said, that's why it was kind of questionable to me because they were notorious for catching these like screaming EVPs and people think that it's just like an audio artifact that they're doing. So maybe some of these yes answers they were getting were just audio artifacts. I don't know. But when people use that one, I sometimes question a little bit about the fact that they're getting so many responses after each question. Sure. Another reason why you and I question that is because we've done EVP sessions for years and not once. Have we ever gotten an answer after we've asked a question that I can remember? Right. Not on EVP. No. No. 
So I watch stuff on TV and they seem to do quite a bit like kindred spirits. They seem to get them a lot. I don't know. I'm like for all the times that we've done it. Generally, if we pick up an EVP, it's just because it's in the background while we're walking around and doing something else. Right. With us, most of our answers are because we're doing the SS method with the spirit box. Yeah. And I think they asked about the Irish mob because, again, the hotel claims that the film Gangs of New York is linked to this. I don't know that there were ever any real Irish mobsters here or not. Our friend paranormal investigator Linda Zimmerman has been to the hotel and written about it in her books as well. She's definitely had some experiences. Stephanie Bond with Nyack Paranormal Investigator shared this experience she had in the basement with the website Lohud in 2014. I just asked if a noise I'd heard was a spirit trying to get our attention when I felt a squeeze on the back of my leg just under my backside. That almost sounds like it was going for your rear. Um, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I turned on my flashlight and looked. No one was there. I told the others I had just been touched and they responded with stunned silence. I remember that vividly. You mean you were goosed. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, sounds like you about got goosed. Alexandra Sheraton is a skeptic who wrote of her investigation and stay at the Shanley for the Road Trippers website. They didn't get much activity and she was unconvinced about any ghosts until she went to bed in Maddie's room. She wrote, whether someone is watching or not, when 1 a.m. rolls around, I'm ready for bed. She's saying that because Maddie's room is supposedly one of the most haunted rooms in this hotel. And when they do the investigations, if you're staying in one of those most haunted rooms, your room is going to be investigated till 1 a.m. So you just have to be prepared that you're going to be staying up. So that's why <laughs> she's saying this. So she's going to bed regardless. Hope yeah. she brought something like, you know, the little eye covers and some earplugs <laughs> or something. Well, I think she was okay to close the door now because it's 1 a.m. But she's like, you know, if there's a ghost here, whatever's happening, I'm going to bed. I slide under the covers, close my eyes and fall asleep quickly. Around 2.30 a.m., however, I jolt awake. My heart is racing and my body is racked with chills. I switch on the light and pile on more blankets, but my teeth keep chattering uncontrollably. I take deep breaths and eventually fall back into a fitful sleep, but the light stays on until morning. And when they asked her, how did you sleep last night? She didn't say anything to them. She was just very quiet about it. She can't say for sure that this was something paranormal that happened, but... Uh, since this is one of the most haunted rooms and she had a chill that she just could not get rid of, it makes me wonder what spirit was cuddling up next to her in the bed. She had a fever and she needed more cowbell? Maybe. <laughs> Sorry. I'm so bad. The beauty of the area and the quaint historic hotel are very inviting. So would you want to book your stay at the Shanley? Yes. <laughs> might, <laughs> might you get awakened from your sleep by something going bump in the night? Is the Shanley Hotel haunted? That is for you to decide. Like I said, they have their website. You can book an overnight stay there. The rooms look like they're very comfortable. And I haven't heard anything really bad about the rooms. It's just you look at the outside and you're like, wow, this place has been... It's quaint. ...around a while. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they have, you know, you do a group investigation for like five hours. Then you're free to do your own thing. And then you leave in the morning. So but sounds like a cool place. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to this Redux. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye.